Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to our Power is Within podcast. I'm your host, Chasmith, and my mission for this podcast is to inspire you to take your power back and to realize that you are the healer that you have been looking for all along. I want to start out by saying how much I appreciate your support. If you are listening and you find this content that my guests share with you valuable, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. Share your favorite episode on social media and tag me at Our Power Is Within, or you can always click the link at the bottom of the show notes to the virtual tip jar to help support future episodes. So for this week's challenge, uh, we are we are allowing we're letting this challenge be inspired by today's episode actually. <laughs> And the challenge is going to be to dance every day, and there are no other rules. You can dance standing, sitting, or in bed if that's where you are currently at. You can dance with your eyes open or eyes closed. You can dance to your favorite song or to the beat of your own internal drums. Uh, Just dance like no one's watching and have fun doing it. Set aside some time every day for yourself and embrace the dance. And hey, maybe you can even join a Zumba class and dance with other people and make friends or go with a friend to a Zumba class. The opportunities are endless. Now, speaking of Zumba, today's guest is Josette Kasik. Josette has been called one of the best Zumba instructors of all times, and she has quite a powerful and inspiring story to share with us today of how all this came to be. Seriously, you guys, if this story does not inspire you, I just don't know what will. Getting a chance to talk to Josette was such an inspiration for me, and it really got me digging deep into my own soul, asking myself some seriously deep questions. Josette is known as a Santa Barbara hero. She is the number one author on Daily Ohm, and she's discovered what it takes to pull herself out of the trenches of pain with severe RA and heal herself completely. She is evidence that healing truly is possible for all of us. And this whole conversation is just so powerful. I love every part of her message, so I'm just excited to get into it and let you listen. All right, Josette, thank you so much for being here with me today for everybody who will be tuning in. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am excited. Um, For everyone who's listening, I just wanted to let you guys know that I first encountered uh, Josette through the Primal Trust community uh, with Dr. Kathleen King. She was a guest, a live guest at one of the weekly uh, class sessions that was held a couple weeks ago, and her story was amazing, and I really thought it would be perfect for the show, and I wanted to bring her on and let you guys get a feel for her uh, situation, her story, and be inspired, so... With that said, Josette, I think a great place to start is actually just opening the floor and let you share your story. Tell them about who you are and yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's sharing each other's stories that really help us to grow and be inspired and see what's possible. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity. So again, thank you. Um, And hello to all your listeners. My name is Josette. I am a mom of one, um, a wife and a Zumba instructor, which I never thought I would ever be. My story actually starts 11 years ago. 
I was diagnosed with advanced rheumatoid arthritis. Advanced just meaning that my numbers were so high that uh, it's an autoimmune disease, so that the my own immune system was rapidly destroying my own body. So my left elbow was fused at the joint within a week of diagnosis. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I was never able to straighten it again. So it was pretty scary and extraordinarily painful. And it threw me into an incredibly dark time in my life because I was not able to function with this disease. The disease not only gave you a sense of malaise or it gave me a sense of malaise, but um, where I felt like I had the flu all the time. So I wasn't able to function on that level, but the pain of the destruction of my own joint structure in my body was unbearable at best. Um, and doctor's prognosis for a disease like rheumatoid arthritis is a long list of pharmaceuticals, which include methotrexate, which is a chemotherapy drug, um, uh, biologics, which are aimed at best at shutting down your immune system, which as far as I know, we need our immune system. <laughs> but um, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good space. I was in a lot of pain. I was not being told that there was any other way. I was told to get on all these drugs and hope to stay out of a wheelchair for as long as I could. Um, my son was about two at the time, and that was that was the pivotal um, moment for me to just be with my son with this disease because he needed a mom and I couldn't be that mom. So I had some incredibly dark times and uh, went inside myself to try and figure out what I was going to do. And it's interesting when you have a dark moment um, and nothing else outside of you can give you the answers. When you go inside, even with all the pain, I was able to to just get a little whisper that said, you need to find another way. And so I said, okay, I'm going to find another way. And that's what I started to do. Mm. And I can, I, I'll continue. I know we said I would practice brevity here. So <laughs> No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Keep, keep but telling the story. Yeah. I love it. So, I want to hear so it that's, all. That's, that's where it started. Um, doctors said that there is no other way that anybody who says that there's another way is wrong. And I didn't get any support, um, from any of the doctors that I saw. I, it, I ended up getting a lot of support from my current doctor, who's a board certified internal medicine specialist here in Santa Barbara. She was the one who ultimately, declared me a medical miracle. But back back uh, track a little bit, I decided to do some research on autoimmune disease, on natural healing, and things that actually worked. And there was information on the internet that showed a couple of different things. One, that an alkaline diet uh, was very helpful. And you hear about that. You hear that there's like an uh, anti-inflammatory diet. Well, that's an alkaline diet at least to the best of my knowledge. Then there was something called leaky gut, which I had never heard about. And it was fascinating, which is a uh, theory that um, food particles can pass through your uh, gut lining if it is perforated in any way, and then cause an autoimmune response to those food particles. So I was interested in these little checkpoints. I said, okay, alkaline diet, leaky gut. And then the third and probably the most important thing that they talked about in my research was stress, anxiety, um, 
not living your purpose, being off your path, uh, not waking up happy and joyful every day. And they, from the, the books that I read, negative emotion creates toxins in your blood, makes you an acidic person, and we are all trying to be alkaline. So a breath of fresh air and being at the beach is alkaline, whereas you know being in a cubicle stressed out is acidic. So um, I started that route. I, I First thing I did is I got little litmus tests that you can pee on in the morning. They're available at any drugstore. And sure enough, I was highly acidic. So I said, okay, let's go alkaline. Um, I changed my diet drastically. I went on the leaky gut to heal my gut. And I made a choice and told everyone around me that I am no longer able to be stressed. If my husband wanted to argue with me, I was giving him the free card. He could win um, because I wasn't interested in that. My, my own goal was to create a sanctuary of healing for myself and do the best I can, not so much for me, but for my son, because he deserved it. And uh, probably about a year and a half in, um, I had no more symptoms. I was completely symptom-free. And um, I had, one of the things that I had started to do, um, because my research said that movement is important, I was a former ballet dancer at Joffrey Ballet, I graduated at Juilliard. Um, I had a lot of background in ballet, although I think one of the reasons why I wasn't um, thriving was because I had gotten so far off my path and left the dancing world, left dancing altogether. It was one of the things that made me really happy. And um, even though I was in a lot of pain, I took a job as a Zumba instructor <laughs> because it was going to force me to get up and try and move. Um, so I was teaching Zumba. That became very popular as I healed. And um, it, yeah, it became super popular. And one of the students in my class was and is my doctor. And she said, you know, I want to take your blood. I want to find out what's going on because I've seen all your blood work from, from your RA. I had talked to her about it before. And I want to know what's really happening. She did. She took my blood work. She sent it to UCLA. She had some rheumatologists and specialists down there look at it, and they all called me and sat in a meeting and said, um, we have to declare you a medical miracle because you have absolutely no evidence of the disease in your blood, and um, we've never seen anything like it. And there it was, and here I am, and Zumba then uh, down the line named me the most successful Zumba instructor in the world that they've ever known, and... I continue to try to shine a light of empowerment to all of us because I think no matter what situation we're in, um, we are able to find the guru inside of us and, and lead with our souls and lead with our hearts and find the thriving and vitality that is inherent in it's our birthright. Mm. Okay. So what... What point was it that you were um, that you had this retesting done? Like, how far after the initial diagnosis did you get this retesting? That uh, that they declared me a medical miracle. Mm -hmm. yeah. About a, I would say about a year and a half to two years. I have to look at the dates on it, but I think it was it was it was after I had no symptoms at all, and my my class started to get really popular. Yeah, my doctor was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And at what point in this journey did you actually start teaching Zumba? 
I started teaching right away. In fact, it was a right joke. away, right away. It was a joke. Um, my husband said, you know, everybody said, are you crazy? You could hardly move. I couldn't even open a jar of mayonnaise. Um, and in fact, um, we were living in West Palm Beach, Florida, and the job was in Santa Barbara. I had gone to UCSB. I met my husband in Santa Barbara. I really wanted to get back to Santa Barbara. So I, with the help of a friend, flew to Santa Barbara. She helped me into the elevator. Um, that was the one time when I probably took about seven ibuprofen just to get through the interview um, so that they didn't think that I was ill. And I kind of was a shoe-in because I, I – my dance background was exactly what they were looking for. So it was just very easy. I didn't have to prove anything to anyone. So, okay. You had never done like instructed Zumba before? No. Mm -mm. How'd you even find this job? <laughs> I had gotten licensed to teach Zumba when I was in Florida, but I never used that license. I had thought I had taken Zumba and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was the best mix of fitness and joy and happiness and incorporating the dance. It was just so up my alley because I was never going to go into a gym. So, um, yeah, so I had gotten that license, never used it. And then a friend of mine from Santa Barbara had emailed me that she did not know I was sick. And she said, you know, they're looking for a Zumba instructor. If you want to come back to Santa Barbara, this is the perfect job for you. Um, and so there, there it is. And, and yeah, everybody thought I was crazy. <laughs> wow. Okay. So this just coincidentally happened, like after you had already been diagnosed early on, and so then did you guys all, like your whole family just moved back to Santa Barbara? Well, there are no coincidences. No, I moved with my son um, into my girlfriend's apartment because Santa Barbara is pretty expensive. My husband had a job that he was working on in Florida. He's an Argentine polo player, but they work seasonally. So when he finished his season, um, he came to Santa Barbara to kind of see what we could do. And um, I wasn't making enough money to make rent. So we sold everything we had. I sold all my jewelry. I sold everything I had to, and he sold what he had um, to make rent and to give my healing a chance. Because I also knew that being in Santa Barbara was healing uh, at in its own right. But there was no coincidences. Everything definitely fell into alignment um, at a higher level. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say it, it would, it was probably like this combination, right. Of not only all of it, but also I was just going to say the move, just having like a, a shift in location and environment. And um, you know how they say like to change the environment because you can't get well in the same environment you got sick in. And you know, that yeah. means multiple things, external and internal environment, but. Right. Well, and I wasn't happy in Florida. I mean, I think mm -hmm. part of getting sick was just a reflection of, yeah, not being happy in where I was. And I had wanted to get back to Santa Barbara for a while. So it really was mm. the perfect, perfect scenario. But I was in a lot of pain. I mean, that was, that was the thing. Yeah. And that's crazy that you guys sold everything for you to just 
to do this job, like totally just try this new job that you had never even done before. I mean, granted, yes, dancing background, but had never even thought to be like a Zumba instructor until all this kind of manifested. There were a lot of conversations about what next. And at that time, my husband had not taken another job. And I had said to him, I need you here because I need I can't even walk up and down the stairs. So he needed to be with me to help with my son. He -hmm. was going, getting up in the middle of the night and delivering newspapers to try and help with the bills um, and stuff. So it was a really, you know, it's funny because he kept looking at me saying, you know, do we really need to be in Santa Barbara because it's so expensive? And I said, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm following my heart. And I know that this is insane. Here I am with this disease. I'm, I'm sitting with this prognosis. Clearly, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm not taking any of the drugs that they had given me. I refused to take them because I was still nursing my son. And I, I couldn't nurse him if I was taking those drugs. And I just said, you know, I know that we're really, really putting everything on faith. And I just... I need support with this because I don't know either. I didn't know I was going to heal at the time, but I just did the next inspired step mm-hmm. and I trusted it. And so you were, sh- how many classes initially were you teaching a week? Just two. So you were showing up to teach these Zumba classes for an hour, twice a week, but literally you could hardly walk or go upstairs or do anything outside of the class. Right. So I started to sway back and forth. um, And something happens when the music goes on. And um, what we had initially figured out was that if I sprayed capsaicin on my legs, on my knees and on my hips, um, my ankles weren't too affected at the time, but my knees and my hips were, but capsaicin is like a hot pepper spray and it actually burns so much that you don't feel the pain of the arthritis, which is kind of funny. It's like somebody hitting you on the head with a, with a metal pan when you're suffering, you know, whatever. But, um, that was my husband's genius idea. And we did, we sprayed my knees and my hips with this capsaicin spray and I, I had a little bit more movement. It wasn't for a very long time, but I was able to move a little bit better. It wasn't like I was just, you know, walking on two stilts. I was able to move a little bit, just not much. But as as I kept teaching and as I kept moving and as I healed little by little by little by little, it was two steps forward, three steps back, sometimes three steps forward, one step back. I mean, it was definitely a process. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to move a little bit more every time, a little bit better. The alkaline diet um, really gave me relief uh, within the first month or two, for sure. Okay. So how did you stay out of the fear cycle? Because a lot of people, I know myself included, um, would there's like such a high level of fear, this, this fear and worry that if I go do this thing that I really want to do, but, um, I'm in so much pain, I quote unquote, shouldn't do it. And it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like everyone probably was like, wait, are you sure this doesn't make sense? How did you stay out of the fear that you were making yourself worse or that you were going to make yourself worse? That's a, excellent question. And I'm so grateful you asked that because I didn't get rid of the fear. The fear was there. 
I was petrified. I was, I was terrified for my son that he was going to have a, a mom in a wheelchair. I was terrified that I was doing the wrong thing. But I had made a commitment to myself that I was going to give it everything I had, number one. Number two, I had read success stories. There were people that did heal. And if it was possible if it was within the realm of possibility, then it was definitely possible for me. That was the logic I was working on. The third thing, and this is the best practice that I've ever had, and I started with the RA, was surrender. I surrendered everything. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm in a lot of pain. The pain is a consistent reminder that something's not right. But once I understood what was causing my dis-ease, the life I had lived up until now, up until that point, how I wasn't aligned fully with what I really came here to be. And all of that, all of the purpose, all of that just kind of stick snapped right into place. And the fear took a backseat. At some point, your faith and your trust in where you're going overcomes the fear of where you've been or where you might go. You have to trust. Mm-hmm. Were there times that you would come home from the dancing um, early on and be in even more pain? Absolutely. I couldn't get out of my car. I mean, my, my husband, Sebastian, had to literally come to the car and carry me into the room. Um, and I would just go straight to bed. Yes. Oh, yeah. It was horrible. It was horrible. So initially, you're, you were, you're like, you're, um, how do I want to say this? The dancing was, in a sense, you getting to live your purpose and one of your highest values, but you were doing it for, sometimes you sacrificed almost the rest of your day in order to show up and do that hour. Yes. But that hour, that hour shifted my frequency from Mm -hmm. fear into a wait, wait a minute. There's something inside of me that knows that I can be more. That little shift, that little light that was shining for me Um, And I'm not trying to sound woo-woo. This is really what happened. (laughs) That little shift that happened when I danced or when I attempted to dance um, or looked at somebody else and smiled or saw fear in another person, that deeper connection, deeper knowing, it, it grew in me. It grew day by day by day by day. But yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, but at the time, again, I was just trying to do the next inspired step and trust fully that I was getting that inspiration for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy. So the person that hired you, at what point did she actually discover that you were like barely scraping by and getting through this in, in excruciating pain? I was hired by the city of Santa Barbara. So it was a government organization and they never knew. I never told them. They, really? The only thing is that they had said that I was a fledgling program because I didn't have more than three or four students in the beginning. Um, and they just said, you know, we don't think that you're going to succeed very well. But um, they let me continue. And lo and behold, I ended up buying my own business from them. So it got so big where we were getting um, 50 to 60 students. Uh, people a class and um, they couldn't handle the numbers. They couldn't handle the check-in or anything. So I ended up buying the business from them and just renting a facility, which is what I've been doing for the last nine, nine and a half years now. What do you think stood 
like apart? Like, what do you think set your um, dance class apart, um, especially in the beginning when you were barely able to like really do much? Like, how do you think that you created that draw? The energy, the frequency, the love, the passion, the desire to be well, the the culmination of all the angst, and you know, I think. When you're when you're a dancer, you understand. Um, I also have to, you know, say thank you to my parents for putting me through all that dance education. Because as a dancer, we're trained as artists to uh, reflect emotion, and there was a lot of emotion going on in my soul and in my heart. And so I think people felt it. I think they still do, uh, and especially now they're feeling something. Um, palpable when they come into the room there's a there's a palpable energy so definitely they are it's not that I'm better than the next person it's just that there's an energy that that people connect to Mm -hmm. yeah and was there ever conversation like did did your students ever know that you were uh going through like doing this while in excruciating pain or did it did you mask it really well no, I mean, I masked it. Nobody knew when people started that they just thought that's the way I moved. And, you know, it wasn't until after um, it got really popular. I was named a hero in Santa Barbara for health and healing. And that was the day, it was in 2015, that was the day I told the community that I had been suffering with RA and that I had been declared a medical miracle. I didn't want anybody to know. I, I, did not want anyone to know that I was sick. It was something that I was battling privately, and um, I didn't think it was anybody's business, to be honest with you. Now it became, in fact, even when I healed, I I didn't want to talk about it. I had mentioned it to the doctors that I would, um, that my my wonderful doctor here in Santa Barbara, that I would be happy to tell her how I healed, but she wasn't interested. She said, you know, it, it doesn't help us because we're, we're, we're not even allowed to tell people to do something different than what the protocol is. So we can tell them we heard about you and that they can research you, but we can't give them that, you know, um, this is what you need to do, do what Josette did. <laughs> so right. um, I kind of, I never really talked about it because I think people don't want to, originally they didn't want to hear it. Um, because it was so unheard of. Now I'm being asked to speak about it more and more because I think people understand that there is um, the possibility of healing in a different way. And I am happy to share with people, to share my story with people because yeah, I did it. And denying that I did it doesn't help anybody. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, that's just so amazing. When they found out, they were probably astonished. Like, wow, this woman has been going through all this pain when she shows up and dances with us every week. Well, I don't know. You know, I've met so many extraordinary people over the last couple of years. I, I, I've met people who come to my class after chemo and, and they're green, you know, they're, they're going through their own suffering. I think there's a lot of people that suffer silently. I don't feel like an anomaly in any way, but yeah, I mean, I, I did it and I know that there are people who, I'll give you an example. I had a woman who came to class a couple of weeks ago and she, after class, she was sobbing and she said, you know, my husband was killed in a car crash three months ago and I've been coming here every single day. And today was the first time I smiled since he died. And I just want to thank you for that. So I think the point is, is that people come in um, with all sorts of different stories and lives 
that they're bringing. And, and that's really what I support. I just hold a container of safety and, and, and an energy that people can come in and be themselves without any expectation. Right. Do you feel that like having gone through what you went through helped you to be able to create that container and hold that space in a, in a, like a unique way or a different way than maybe you would have in the past? Yes, absolutely. No doubt about it. It's what really created the class. That container is what makes the class so special for Mm. sure. Yeah. Well, because when you're going through stuff like that, it almost opens up your capacity to have empathy for other people. For and sure. what they're going through. Yeah, and and you know, having a disease like RA is it's uh it it removes your ego pretty much. Um you understand that you're not who we are not who we think we are. I wasn't my body because my body wasn't functioning properly. Um I had to have somebody help me in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom because I couldn't walk to the toilet when I had to go. So you understand quickly um with with disease, I think in general, there's a humility that, that, that reaches you at a depth where you understand that we're all, all, we're all just going to be as human and we're all, we all have a story. So for me, it just made me much more, um, I think identifiable with other people and supportive of where they are. That makes sense. Do you, um, feel, did you ever feel, cause I know a lot of people, uh, myself included, sometimes when we find ourselves like in a lot of pain or sick or ill, and we don't really identify with it in the sense that we're like, how did I get here? This isn't who I am. Like you just know intuitively that that's not an expression of who you're truly meant to be. But sometimes we can feel a lot of, um, like, uh, what is the word? Almost like beat ourselves up, like guilt or remorse or like something's wrong with me or how did I do this to myself or how did I let this happen? Did you ever struggle with any of those feelings like insecurity or like feeling like not, um, you know, like not worthy because you were sick or anything like that? Well, yeah, to some degree for sure. I mean, I think again, when you, when you get hit with a diagnosis, like RA or with, I I would imagine with any disease, you really start to examine what got you there. Because the thing is, is that the doctors, at least for RA, they say that they don't know what gets you there. They don't know what causes the disease. But I knew I was unhappy. So ultimately with where I stood, I knew I needed to pull up my boots and just go cut everybody off the hook. I am the only person responsible for this life. I am responsible. My husband may be a pain in the butt, but he's not responsible for my wellness. He's, I had to really go, okay, if you're in a crappy situation, why are you in a crappy situation? Who's captaining the ship? Who's making the choices? So yes, there was reflection on what got me here and the bad choices that I had made in the past, but it was also an extremely powerful incentive to take control of my own life, my own physicality and my own destiny and how I chose to live my life. Mm, Yeah. Total personal responsibility. Right. Now you must have had a really awesome husband at the end of the day, because 
it, I, I mean, I know, and I can understand when you love somebody, how you see them like dragging themselves to go teach and you're watching them suffer and in so much pain and you're helping them get up in the middle of the night, even to go to the bathroom or getting them out of their car when they come home from class. And like, it's normal when you really care about someone to be like, what are you doing? You're making it, you know, it's, it's a lot of times too with the world we're living in and like what we think is possible or truth. It's like, it could be perceived that you were making yourself worse or like not understood by everybody. But yeah, it seems like you really had support where when you said, listen, just trust me with this, like you were supported. Well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't always easy. Yes, he is awesome. He's amazing. Um, but it wasn't always that easy. There, there, there was in the beginning, come on, be a responsible mom and just take the drugs. You know, that was, that was everybody, mom, dad, husband, everybody just said, what, what are you doing? Why are you even going to try this when they say that it's not possible? But my husband, um, it, it wasn't easy for him, but he did respect I think that's that's the best word to use. He respected my decision. And again, it was a decision. I said, I'm giving this, I gave it two years. I said, I need two years. I'm going to try and heal myself. And I, I did it in a year and then I created a great business. So he didn't, he didn't need too much. And I think he saw the evidence of me getting little by little getting well. I mean, there were certain, certainly some pretty hard days for sure. Um, and he was a mom, you know, he was mom and dad because our son was quite active and he had to do all the, all the running around and the playing and the bath time and everything, the stuff that I couldn't do. Yeah. How did you handle other people too? Like you said, your mom, your dad, everybody. Cause I know I've personally talked to so many people that said that when they tried to, um, when they switched to like alternative forms of healing through, you know, whether it's like a brain retraining program or something like Kathleen's primal trust program, a lot of times we do face, um, um, challenges of being accepted from our, you know, our parents and people closest to us where it's like, well, why don't you just go to the doctors? Well, why don't you just, like you said, people were like, why don't you just take the drugs? Like how, what do you feel like helped you to really stand in your truth in those moments and like stay committed to your decision and not let them influence you? Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer said, you have to be independent of other people's good opinions of you independent of thoughts and perceptions of other people. And that was the moment it hit me. And it was beautiful because I was also in the moment of taking control of my own life. So I said, I love you all. Thank you very much. I'm blocking everything out because I was creating, as I mentioned, a sacred sanctuary of healing for myself. And I knew that any negative input could, you know, could shake the, shake the ground. So it was, um, I appreciate the peanut gallery, but I don't, I'm not going to listen to anything anybody's saying because it was again for the first time that I turned inward and listened to the guru inside of me. And that guru mm -hmm. gave me my next inspired step and still does. Yeah. I love that. And you didn't have to block your family out of your life. You just had to block their noise, the noise out. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they know I love them and, and I, and they, you know, now they're kind of looking at me like, boy, it's a good thing you didn't listen to us. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. so when you first started dance, I'm just curious, this is kind of like a little side note thing. Did you, um, did you do your own choreographing too for the, the, 
the Zumba for class? Zumba? No, no, I use Zumba choreography for sure. Oh, now do you I still? Do. No, no, I haven't used there. It was actually funny. Um, I had an Olympic team come in, the cross-country Olympic ski team come in about six years ago, maybe seven. <clears throat> and they had kind of come in as a joke. Like it was like this hurrah for the team, like, oh, we're just going to dance and have fun, but nobody really sweats in Zumba. So I made the class extraordinarily hard. And lo and behold, <laughs> Santa Barbara loves that. So they came to expect it every class now. So I definitely do my own choreography. It's a, it's a kick in the butt. That's, that's what they like here in Santa Barbara. I'm a little tired, but they like it. Yeah. Gotcha. Did you, so at first when there's, um, when you're using Zumba choreography, you had to like, just watch it to learn it. Or did you have to actually practice at home to learn the routines before you showed up to teach them? No, I mean, luckily I'm, I can just watch and learn. I'm, I'm pretty good with remembering. Yeah. Yeah. You have the, the dance background. Yeah. And their combinations are simple. Are, I was going to say, are there different levels like where you could, where it's like slower stuff for people who have a harder time learning at first? Uh, no, but what we do is we offer modification of moves. So if somebody is having a difficult time as an instructor, I will notice that um, and just say, hey, you know what, just do this. It's much easier. And again, with my background, it was a little bit easier also for me to just kind of slide right in and go, okay, this is this is what we're doing. But it's accessible to everyone. To My oldest student is 95 and my youngest is 12. So it, it, it goes across the gamut. It's for everyone. Wow. 95. That's so inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that, oh, it's a he too. Yep. Yeah. He's a world, world war two veteran. Uh, and he has not missed a class, um, in the last two years since COVID started, he was at every online class and every live class. That is amazing. Oh my yeah. gosh. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to backtrack for a minute. You initially, um, and I'm not going to be able to say this the right way, but at the beginning you were kind of explaining something that was happening like bone fusion or something. And mm -hmm. there was like, it sounded like initially when you were going through this, there was actually some structural abnormalities that had happened in your body. Right. My left elbow, um, because rheumatoid arthritis attacks your joints. So my left elbow actually started to fuse, which is kind of what they do. I don't know if you've ever seen those pictures where the, the, somebody's hands or just the fingers are all kind of crooked and, and wrong. Um, that's what happened um, to my left elbow. It actually fused. So I was never able to straighten my left arm again. Uh, okay. That's what I was going to ask you is if um, as you healed and yeah, you got rid of like the physical pain, but did the structural abnormalities uh, shift back to normalcy or did they kind of stay the way they were? No, no. Yeah. That was once it's done, it's done. So that stays with me. Gotcha. So you still can't open your elbow all the way, but you have no pain. Exactly. And I have no, no, the disease is gone, but the damage is there to remind me of what I've been through. Gotcha. Okay. But that's such a, another, um, testament to how we can have, um, structural abnormalities in our body, but not have pain also at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times, especially in the mind-body world, we learn this because often we sometimes freak out and think because there's something that's 
um, not quote unquote normal in like our imaging, that means that we should have pain, but that's not necessarily the case. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What do you feel like in all of this experience for the first year and a half was maybe like the most challenging, um, part and the biggest struggle for you? Ooh, that's a great question because, you know, when you're in pain, probably the most challenging thing for me was to rise above the pain. Uh, Pain is a a constant reminder that there's something wrong and it's hard to focus on anything when you're in pain, you know, or when you're sick. Um, It's there. It's like that right in your face, like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. So the shifting and the intentional focus um, was probably the hardest, and yet it was the best thing for me. And and that one hour of, of Zumba really, really helped me shift that focus. But that was probably the most challenging is to, to work intentionally and deliberately on my healing. Mm-hmm. Aside from the Zumba, was there any other things that you started to incorporate into your life to bring you back into alignment with living your truth and um, like living a life on purpose? Well, I spent a lot of time with my son and that was my joy. Yeah. I just surrounded myself with things that I knew would make me happy and got rid of everything that wouldn't. So mm-hmm. that was that was the ultimate uh, simplicity of how I did it. I... I along with the alkaline diet and the healing the gut, I just spent time finding what brought me joy mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a moment when I was scared and in pain. Um, I just tried to, I, I sought joy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that uh, sometimes they're so sick, they're so in like this downward spiral that they don't even know what brings them joy anymore because their life has gotten so small. What suggestions do you have? Because it sounds like, um, you were living a life where you weren't happy for a while. So how did you really reconnect to discover what did bring you joy and what, what, what did make you happy and what could people do in your opinion? Well, everybody's different. Um, I think that disconnecting to reconnect is the best thing. Um, for me, connecting with my own heart and going inside and listening, what, what do we, what will have bring you joy and, and envisioning, you know, trying to create a life vision. If you're, if you're sick, how will you feel if you're well? And what would you do if you could, you know, be well for me, I thought every single morning I would wake up and I would say, if I was well, and I wasn't feeling this pain, I would take my son to the park and run as fast as I could and race him. And I would sit in that emotion. You know, um, Greg Braden says the feeling is the way. And that I would say, I know this sounds really hoo-ha, but I would say spend your time daydreaming about that feeling because once you can, you can feel it, you can connect with it inside. We can conjure any emotion we want. We choose. Again, that's all part of being the captain of our ship. We choose. You choose. Yes, the pain is there that's for sure. But perhaps the pain is there to just show you how you can overcome anything. And so for me, I found um, creating a vision for myself that pulled me towards where I was going was the best way. Just create something in your own mind and in your heart that would be what you want. Mm. Move towards it. I like that. I isn't it interesting too how often sometimes we just and it's not conscious it's not conscious or intentional it's not about fault but sometimes we just like you said we kind of get 
misdirected, we end up on this like path that's not really aligned to our truth. And it's not, it's almost like it's, we're not doing things that would actually bring us joy. It's almost as if until we are in pain or we have the capacity and the ability to be able to do things taken away from us, do we then realize how integral those things are to our well-being, you know? Ah, to be human. Yes. Well, part of uh, part of the reason that I, I'm speaking out so much is is that I I realized had I listened in the very beginning when I got those anxiety attacks and I wasn't happy that perhaps if I made that shift, <clears throat> excuse me, I wouldn't have gotten this disease. So I think changing the conversation, opening the conversation, what are we doing here? Why why are we doing the things that we're doing? Is it because it it inspires us. It, it rocks our world. Do we wake up every morning really excited about where we're going and what we're doing in the day? Or, you know, there's a lot of deprogramming that has to happen um, in terms of right living and what we're doing with our yeah. lives for sure. Yeah. For anyone who's listening, that's at a place where they're thinking about, um, thinking about just that, like if I were well, or like, you know, I want to be dancing or I would be hiking up this mountain or I would be doing this adventure. I would be going here, um, in, in the same way, like how you wanted to do this, this Zumba teaching. Um, but they're in so much pain and so uncomfortable that they literally are riddled with fear and can't fathom doing that thing. Cause all they can think of is the story playing in their head that says, but if I go do that, I'll make myself worse. What, what advice do you have for that person? Well, look, healing isn't for the lighthearted. You you have to get to a point where your faith overcomes the fear. Pain, I, I get pain. I mean, I, I get it. Um, but it's a choice. The choice is, okay, I'm sick. I don't feel good. Honor that. Honor that sickness. But at some point you go, but I'm going to spend 10 minutes a day just envisioning, just feeling good. I mean, you can do that. You can spend that little time and take little steps, take minuscule steps forward. Um, and you don't have to go jumping into a, a, you know, a hiking trail if you're, if you're wet, if you're sick, you take little minuscule steps where you, all right, I'm going to spend five minutes envisioning where I want to go and feeling it. And then, okay, if you need to focus on the pain, focus on the pain because it's there and it's right in your face and you don't really have a choice. But little by little by little, you train, you retrain your your mind and your soul to focus on where you're going and let that vision pull you forward. And I promise you, what you focus on grows. What you put your energy on will expand. And if you do it consistently every day, and again, it 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 kind of goes back to you're in control, you choose. You either are deliberately choosing to think your thoughts or your thoughts think you, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it isn't easy. Nobody said this is easy, but being in pain isn't easy either. Healing isn't easy, but it is a process. Yeah, it's choosing your heart. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. So aside from uh, being like, called one of the greatest Zumba instructors of all times, what, <laughs> what other like have been at the major gifts that have come through this experience for you? Well, the best gift is helping people through disease. I think I had, um, 
a woman who had multiple sclerosis come into my class and we worked together. I mentored her through her healing and she's a hundred percent healed now. Um, and just meeting a lot of really interesting people. I was lucky to be on a panel with, um, Dr. Bruce Lipton and Jack Canfield, um, where we were able to speak about, uh, quantum healing and, uh, understanding, the power within. And I think for me, the best thing other than getting to play with my son all the time and dancing for a living is seeing and connecting with people and being a little bit of a lighthouse for them and knowing that they can look at me and say, well, wait a minute, she did it. So perhaps it's possible for me too. That's the best thing. And I feel like I'm living a deeper meaning, a more profound meaning for my life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it. And on a side note, you're so lucky you got to hang out with Bruce Lipton. That's like my dream. (laughs) It's literally like if I could like sit down and have a conversation with anybody in the world, he'd be the guy. Yeah, it was well. And again, for me, that was one of the visions I had and and it did come true. I'm lucky to have been asked. It was funny. I was asked to sit on a panel. And when I looked at the guests, it was Bruce Lipton, Lynn McTaggart, um, Don Miguel Ruiz. These are all my heroes. And I thought, and Jack Canfield, and it was Jack Canfield is a neighbor here in Santa Barbara. So I know him just by seeing him and we've talked several times. And I think he was the one who actually was the one who initiated me being on this panel. So it was, um, it would never in my wildest dreams did I think I would be sitting in such extraordinary company. And yes, Dr. Lipton is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. They're all great. But yes, he's yeah. like the he's like the one. I don't know why him of all people, but he's the one. <laughs> Someday goals. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um and so let's see. I do okay, I want to ask you this question really quick. Um, I ask everybody this question, and it's it can be uh pertaining to healing or absolutely anything at all, just living life um in general. But if you could only share one message for the rest of your life with everybody in the world, what message would that be? That we are way more powerful than we know. Mm-hmm. And that we have the power to create a thriving, happy life full of vitality and joy. Mm. Yes, I love it. And your relationship sounds like it's really good and thriving with your son. And he's what, 13 now? My son is 13 now. And I've been married for 22 years. Wow. Yeah. And I'm still teaching. (laughs) Yeah, you're still teaching, obviously, probably way more than two classes a week, I'd assume. Yeah, we're at uh, five classes a week now. Nice. Nice. And does your son even remember what you went through at all or not really? Um, yeah, he does a little bit. I mean, I think just cause he's heard the story his whole life. So yeah, yeah. a little bit, but not, not the, uh, not the hard stuff. I don't think he remembers. Yeah. But it's amazing. Cause now through this, like you're changing that trajectory for him too, because now as you are a parent, you get to, in a sense, support and guide him to like help him to not end up doing the same thing and going down a wrong path and to like follow his heart. Yeah. In fact, uh, in eighth grade, he's in eighth grade now. And, um, he asked at the end of the school year last year, if he could, um, homeschool. And when we kind of tried to figure out why, because he was thriving, he's a straight A student and he was, you know, had some friends. He just said, I don't want to be part of the program. And I feel like there's things that they're not teaching us. And I want to do some research on my own. 
Um, and so we were supportive of that. And he actually has grown so much just being at home with us um, and doing his own thing. He's wrote a book already. He's created some movies and he's studying um, Egyptian mythology, which he loves. So I think we might actually stay on the homeschool path for a while. That is awesome. And kudos to like, yeah, letting him honor that. You don't, I don't right. think you hear a lot of kids that actually ask to be homeschooled. So that's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's definitely wow. happy now. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, is there anything that you would feel compelled to share with anyone who's listening, who is still in the thick of things, who's going through pain or illness uh, that maybe I have not asked you about, but you are passionate about sharing? Yeah, no, I would just say again, one inspired step in front of the other. It's, 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 um, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's something healing is, uh, it's a long haul. I mean, a year for me felt like a really long time. Um, so yeah, definitely to, to be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And do you teach any Zumba online these days or is it all in person now? No, I have an entire library uh, online along with uh, meditations. I've worked with some shamans that have brought in some of their tools. I have a whole library online on my website. And I also have a course on Daily Om um, that's called Soul Fire Dance Party that's um, still there on their motivational courses. And I'm working on some new ones for Daily Om as well. Very cool. How can people um, tap into these resources? Real easy. My website is Josette, J-O-S-E-T-T-E, and then the letter T.com, com, and they can get all that information um, right there and get in touch with me is there as well. Awesome. Are you on any social media that they can connect with you or follow along? I spend, uh, my social media is pretty limited to Instagram. Uh, Facebook scares me. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Um, but my Instagram is really where I do most of my posting. So easy. Josette Kasik, T-K-A-C-I-K is uh, my handle. And on Facebook, it's Zumba in SB, S as in Sam, B as in Baker, uh, Zumba in Santa Barbara on Facebook. Awesome. I will drop all the links in the show notes because I'm sure there's somebody out there listening who's going to want to try one of your Zumba classes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'll drop the links in the show notes. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me on the podcast episode and sharing your story with everyone who is tuned in and listening. And yeah, just keep sharing your story and doing what you're doing and spreading that healing message out into the universe. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap. What a story, right? Ah, in what ways are you not aligned to your truth or following your bliss? And what small ways could you begin to take steps today into creating a life of your dreams, even if you have symptoms or are sick and in pain? Where could you call more joy into your life today? There are so many wonderful questions for some self-discovery that we could begin to ask ourselves. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you found it helpful for you, then maybe a friend will find it helpful too. So share it with that friend today. 
you never know who could benefit from such a powerful testimonial of not only healing, but creating. Don't forget to have fun dancing this week. And until next time, you know the drill. Make this week great. Thank you.